That's an intense movie. How many of you guys have seen that? It's an old one, but it's a good one. Yeah, it took place like in my hometown, or the guys are like from my hometown up in New England. Yeah, that waves are crazy, right? And it's weird to think that a storm, just like wind, can produce such huge waves. I know there are other factors too, but wind has so much to do with these huge, huge waves. And I love that movie because like just the power of nature like stands out to me. Have you guys ever experienced like wind being menacing? Like here's, here's how I experience it. Every time I drop a paper out of my truck, and you go to like bend over like in the parking lot to get it, and then it just like blows 10 feet and you chase it. You go pick it up and it blows this way and you chase it, and you do one of these for like 20 minutes and you never actually get the paper because it leaves. You never done that? Oh my goodness, you haven't lived yet. Wait till you do. You're gonna hate life. It's terrible. It's it's horrible. And the wind just does like these menacing things. And in our passage tonight, guys, open with me to James chapter one. That's where we're kind of walking through the book of James. So in James chapter one. James is going to tell us about the wind a little bit. He's going to warn us about um, what the wind can do, but he's not talking about wind, I don't think. So let's look at it in James 1, verses 5 to 11. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he'll pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat, like it did today, and withers the grass. Its flower fails and its beauty perishes. So also would the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. And so what James is actually talking about here is we're talking in this series, like just asking for a friend, right? One of those things that some of us wonder, can I actually ask that question out loud? And James writes us this whole letter of things, of ways we can live the Christian life that some of us, I'm going to put them in air quotes, churchgoers, right? Might think, oh, I can't ask that. I've gone to church for a long time, or I've been like, I'm from a Christian family, so I can't ask those questions. I'm supposed to know that. And James is walking us through some of those questions. And here we go tonight. If any of you lacks wisdom. Oh, hey. How many of y'all lack wisdom? Anybody want to admit? Don't admit that. You're raising your hands. Come on now. Okay. Some of you are being really spiritual and you're like in tune with Jesus and you realize, I know I lack wisdom. So, all right, cool. And others were like, oh, yeah, it's cool to lack wisdom, right? I don't want to know what you were. I don't want to know what you were. But here's the deal. It's not cool to lack wisdom. It's not cool. And so James is writing this to people that need to know that as followers of Jesus, we should have wisdom. But we kind of live in this culture where it's almost like a, it's almost like this trendy thing to be like foolish, to be goofy, to be someone who can like make excuses for the things he does so that I don't have to be held accountable for it because I just didn't know. And it's not cool. And James is saying as a believer in Jesus, you, you should have wisdom. You should know the difference between right and wrong. You probably have a friend that you know that you're like, definitely lacks wisdom, right? Maybe it's you. Maybe you were honest a second ago. But here's my question as we start. We got to deal with that word. What is wisdom? Like if I were to ask you tonight, what is wisdom? How would you define it? I wonder what you would tell me. So I'm going to take you to a place where we can look. Proverbs 9.10, all right? In Proverbs 9.10, we hear how we get wisdom. What is it? Where does it come from? It says, the fear of the Lord 
is the beginning of wisdom. Did you hear that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom isn't like, maybe some of you thought I was going to say, hey, go to college, study for like eight years, get all these degrees and like really good grades and win awards, then you'll be a wise person. Or like go to some monastery and sit with some monks and learn a bunch of, like, no, like, here it is. It's pretty simple. Fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is how you begin to grow in wisdom. Another, any other definition that the world might want to give you or you might want to come up with or start to believe? It's wrong. You see, we're told that wisdom can come from all sorts of places, that you can be wise if you, you know, do this or that. But the truth is there's really just one place James just laid it out for us. If you're looking for wisdom anywhere else, and you're not starting in this place here, you're starting in the wrong place. Because God clearly tells us in multiple places in Scripture, here's one in Proverbs 9.10, that the fear of the Lord is where this whole journey begins if you want to be wise. So I guess that's my next question. Do you want to be wise? Is wisdom, has it become this word in our culture that seems like only old people do that? Like being wise, it's boring. I'm young. I should be like having fun and doing crazy wild things. Forget wisdom, right? James is like, no, like wisdom is how you actually have a full life. It's how you avoid the heartache and the brokenness and the pain and all the struggles that the other junk brings that the world's like, hey, we're fun. Come do this. And you're like, you go do it. And you find out, wait, that wasn't fun at all. It actually wrecked me. That hurt real bad. Like, why did I do that? That was the dumbest thing I've ever done. And if we had just listened to real wisdom that says, hey, avoid that. Begin your journey of wisdom trusting God, trusting what he tells you in his word, fearing the Lord with reverence. That's the only way you'll arrive at true wisdom, no matter what anyone else tells you. And so it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, which most of us could be honest and say, like, we, we need some, right? A lot of you guys right here, like, we need some tonight. Let him ask God. Can it really be that easy? Like, just ask God for wisdom and like, and I'm going to get it? Did you know that you could actually pray that and say, Lord, I need some wisdom. I need you to make me a wise person. And God's not like, okay, when you're 82, you'll finally arrive and be wise. That's not what he says. He says he'll give it to you. Like, I'm in, I'm in middle school. Like, I'm not even in seventh grade yet. I just got out of sixth grade, and you're telling me I could be a wise man or a wise woman? Yeah. God wants to give you wisdom. He wants you to be wise. And so he says, just ask me. It says, let him ask God. He's offering for you to do that. We see someone did this in the Bible. I want to read this to you. It's 1 Kings 3. And in 1 Kings 3, it talks about this dude named Solomon. Anyone know who Solomon was? Right? A king. And he was considered to be, the Bible says he was the wisest man to ever live. He also did some crazy stuff, right? So like there's this balance of wisdom and foolishness in this guy's life. But he does something really awesome. And I want, I want you to hear this. 1 Kings 3.5, it starts off, it says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. Like the Lord's like, whatever you want, ask me. That's pretty awesome. And Solomon said, 
(laughs) You've shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. And you've kept him this great and, and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go, go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too many to be, many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, listen, an understanding mind to govern the people that I might discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It's, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, because you've asked this and not asked for yourself for long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none, none like you has been before and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you've not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. Okay, so here's a little chunky passage here that talks about basically Solomon having a conversation with God, and God's like, hey, your dad, David the king is not here. You're now the king. What do you want? I'll give it to you. This dude could ask for a Ferrari, could ask for a Lamborghini, could ask for whatever whatever he wanted, right? And instead, as he looks up at God and he's like, I'll give you anything, he's like, I want wisdom. And God was like, what? (laughs) I don't think God was shocked, but I would have been like, what? Are you crazy, dude? But God was like, because you've asked for wisdom, I'm going to give it to you. Because you could have asked for, hey, let me live forever. I don't want to die, right? That's a good one. You could have asked for perfect health. You could have asked for bigger biceps. I couldn't have. They don't get any bigger, but he could have, right? So he could have asked for, and God's like, you could have asked for all that. You didn't. And because you didn't, right, he's already showing wisdom because he's asking for more wisdom. And so God said, I'll give you that plus. I'm going to give you the stuff you could have asked for and didn't. Because as you grow in wisdom, I'm going to give you some wealth. And you're going to be wealthier than anyone who's ever lived. I'm not going to tell you this tonight. You can look this up at home because it's fun. But Google how wealthy King Solomon was. Check that out. It's unbelievable the wealth this guy ends up having because God did it. And he gives him a long life. And he gives him all this other awesome stuff. But all he wanted was wisdom. And God answered and gave it to him. So as you're sitting here at night, you're like, man, I don't know if I could ever be a wise person. I wouldn't consider myself wise, you know. Ask God. What's stopping you from saying, Lord, I want that. I want to be able to look and see the difference between right and wrong. I want to be able to navigate life. You see, it's not just knowledge. There's something deeper here that stems from fearing God so that whatever situation you approach, you're able to handle that situation and know how to deal with it the way God would have you deal with it. There's no better way than that. God knows best. And so you're asking basically for God to give you what's only his. He knows best. And you're saying, God, I want that. I want to be able to 
Look at things the way you do and approach things the way you do and respond to people the way you do. Help me have that wisdom that only comes from fearing you. And it says this about the Lord. This is how he'll give to you. Ready? Who gives generously. So he's not gonna be like, okay, I'm gonna sprinkle you with a little teeny bit and see what happens. You know, like all of a sudden you're like, no. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pour wisdom out over you if you have a real heart that comes to me wanting it. It gives generously. Some of you guys are new believers. You've just recently started walking with Jesus and believing in him. Do you know that it's not too early for you to say, God, I want wisdom. I want wisdom that only comes from you. I want you to teach me to see through your eyes. I want you to grow me to know what Jesus would do and how he would live. I want that type of wisdom that sets me apart from everyone else because it's your wisdom. And only you can do it in me. It's not too soon to ask that. And he'll give it generously to you. God wants you to be wise. You don't have to convince him. You ever have to convince your parents of stuff? I know you do because you tell me all the time. Like, I, man, I had to convince my mom I needed that new Xbox that just came out. You know, and she's like, it was this fight, this battle, and you came up with this whole speech you were going to give her, and you show up and tell her why. You don't have to do that with God. He already wants to generously give you wisdom. He's just waiting for you to show up and be like, hey, God, make me wise. God, will you give me wisdom that only comes from you? And it says, who gives generously. Look at these next two words. Little teeny short words, but they have so much meaning. To all. Without exceptions. (laughs) Those who would come and ask God this way, there's no exceptions. He's not looking at you and expecting you to like come and, and, and show him, I deserve this, God. Look at me. I've got it all figured out, and so now I'm, I stand out among all my friends and all my peers, so you should give me this wisdom above them. It's not some competition. He generously wants everyone to have it. It's inclusive. It's awesome. And it, he, he even says these next two things, not only to everybody, but without reproach. That means when you go to him and you admit humbly, God, like, I need you. I'm not wise. I'm actually kind of broken. I'm not sure how to respond to these different things in my life right now. Like, I'm, he doesn't look back at you and go, you idiot. Why don't you know better? He doesn't take shame and throw it on you and be like, you seriously did that? You might even have friends or people in your life that that's kind of the attitude, that's the atmosphere you live in, is that as you mess up or even admit your failures, they kind of get on you, you know? They make you feel bad about it, or they're better at you than something, and so you immediately feel shame. Some of us feel like that's what it's going to be like if we go to God and admit, like, I'm not wise, God, and we're waiting for, like, the penalty to fall. God's going to punish us for it, and we're admitting something, you know? He's like, no, without reproach, I want to give this to you. I expect you to need it or you wouldn't ask for it, you know? If you're not thirsty, you're not asking for water. If you're not, if you need wisdom, you ask for it. And so God's standing there going, come on, let me give you it so generously so it just pours out of your life and overflows out of you onto other people. I want to make you wise and I'm not going to shame you for needing to become wise. I'm going to wrap my arms around you and give you all the wisdom you can take. And that's the promise. He says, and it will be given him. It's promised. 
It's said, it's done because God has said it. And so we know that if we go before him and ask for it, he gives it. You can count on that. But sometimes we don't, we don't ask. I wonder how many of you have asked God before for wisdom. Don't raise your hands. But I would, if I had to guess, most of us in this room haven't done that. And I wonder why we haven't. Most people I've talked to have never asked for wisdom. And I wonder why. I know that maybe it's because we don't know that we need it. Like, I'm, I don't really need wisdom. What do I need that for? What I need right now is like some supernatural knowledge and math so I can pass my test tomorrow. That's what I need. Or like, I need a really sweet car or I need a job or I need money or I need a, right? We get these lists and wisdom usually doesn't make the list because we don't even know we need it. Like, I need that. Or maybe we've never asked for it before because we don't think God will give it to us. We don't think it's actually something he would give. I'll go to him, but like, will he actually like care enough to make me wise? Does is that something God does? Or maybe we're embarrassed to admit that we're not wise. Like nobody wants to be called a fool. Some of us act like it so we can get laughs or whatever, and get. But like, nobody really deep down inside wants to be considered a fool. We don't want people to think we're not wise. And now you're going to go up before the God of the universe and admit that? Like, I know you sent your son to die for me. I know that I go to church all the time and read the Bible where there's lots of wisdom. But God, I'm not wise. You know, he doesn't look at you and go, why not? He's like, oh, I'm so glad you figured it out. (laughs) I'm so glad you see what I see. You're not wise. You're a fool, but get over here. I love you, and I want to give you all sorts of wisdom. It's okay. It's okay to go to God in this way where we're just like, this is who I am. I'm just being honest. This is me, God. I don't have to try to pretend to be some great church person when I'm not. I just want to come to you and say, I'm broken. I'm me. I'm Rob. Hi, I need wisdom. I'm a fool, but I know you can change me and transform me. God, will you give me wisdom? Will you help me know how to navigate these things in my life, especially, especially right now, y'all? I don't know how we're surviving in this culture with the craziness around us. You see, there's called a bee, a, a fish. Some kid got stung by a bee, and they said he got bit by a fish. It was some crazy, like, how's a bee a fish? Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, there's some craziness going on. They think it's wise. There's foolishness all around us. We need wisdom to navigate the culture that we live in, the world that we live in today. Are you asking? Are you admitting that you need it? You're not too young, new seventh graders, upcoming seventh graders. You're not too young. You need this. You're about to go into middle school. It's going to rock your world. Middle schoolers are crazy. You know that? <laughs> like, every single one of us, wherever we're at, whatever stage of life you're in or your circles that you hang with, you need God's wisdom, and he wants to give it to you. And so he says this about asking. Are you ready? He says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. This is how God wants you to approach him. He's like, I know you're, I know you're a fool. I'm not shaming you for it. I want you to recognize that, so come to me but here's how I want you to come to me. I want you to believe 
I want you to trust me. I want you to have faith and don't doubt that I'm going to give you wisdom and you trust in me, not in your phone or Google or your friend or even your parents or your guidance counselor or your teachers or whatever, not even your pastor, Jesus. You trust Jesus. You hear me? He says, I want you to trust me. No doubting. Come to me and know that I do what I say. Proverbs 9.10, let me remind you, says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, not the fear of social media or Google or your friends or whatever group you hang out with or your youth pastor or parents. Jesus, fear the Lord. And when we realize this, that's when we get wisdom. You know why? Because we realize we have a need. We actually need something. And it's not just a little need where like, God, I'm kind of weak today. Can you help me with this thing? It's this big need that says, God, I can do absolutely nothing. I've just realized that I'm a total fool. <laughs> like, I, I absolutely need you 100%. I need to be totally dependent on you because alone, I am nothing. I can't get through this life alone. I can't find victory in this life alone. I absolutely 100% need you. And when we can recognize that and we fear the Lord in that way, like stop trying to figure it out yourself. Stop trying to look for people to help you walk through it in a way where like they're your Jesus. Like they can do it. That's all I need. It's not all you need. They might be great people and have some good advice. They're not all you need. They're not the place to start looking for wisdom, right? It's your trust in Jesus and not just your trust, but that makes you go, and when you trust, you depend. I can't do this alone. I have to have you. And as you start to recognize that need and that trust and dependence on Jesus, you start to go, hey, this thing just happened. And instead of just trying to react and fix it myself or ask questions with people, you know what I do? Oh, wait, wait, (laughs) I can't handle that alone. I know where to go. Hey, Jesus. Jesus, hold on. I can't do that. I need you. I need you right now. Or this other thing comes up and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not trying to do that on my own. Hey, Jesus, another thing happened over here. Can you help me with this? And this friend just came up, but I'm not going to try to do that on my own. I'm going to totally trust in you for everything in my life. Where am I going to college? I'm not going to start researching colleges before I drop on my knees and I go, God, I need you. Help me decide where I should go to college before I ever open one piece of like book or magazine that talks about college or Google on the internet, what college I want to go to. I'm going, God, what college do you want me to go to? What friends do you want me to hang out with? What classes do you want me to take? What sports do you want me to play? You see, none of those things are off limits. It's not like you have like your little pile over here of things that you're in control of. Oh, I definitely get to choose if I play tennis or not. I mean, that's mine, you know? I don't have to ask God about that. And like, hey, what I do in school, God doesn't, as long as I'm doing good, he doesn't really care that much. And like, well, my family, that's definitely personal time for us. That's, God, that's not off limits. He literally wants you to take all the piles and go, everything's yours. I can't do any of this without you. I can't play tennis without you or volleyball or football. I can't study in school. I can't, none of it without you, Lord. Like, Rob, you're so extreme. This passage is extreme. God wants this for us. 
He wants a generation of Christians that stops coming over here and saying, this is mine, don't touch it, God, but you can have these things. We got plenty of churches like that. You can find them, just drive down the road, you'll find lots of churches that do that. That's not what God wants for you. God wants a generation of Christians that says, you have all the piles. Every piece of my life, I fear you. And that's where wisdom starts. Take it all. I trust you. If things fall down in shambles, I'm going to keep trusting you. I don't see a plan how this is going to work out, but that's okay. I'm not in charge. You are. And you see the plan, God, even when it's scary. Wisdom starts by going before Jesus and admitting that you need him and saying, God, I fear you. Give me your wisdom. Make me dependent on you. It says, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the, by the waves. I love to scuba dive. I think most of you guys know that. I, lo- I love scuba diving. My dad and I, when I was younger, we used to scuba dive all the way, all the time down in West Palm Beach, like off the coast there. And uh, we went with some friends that we always dove with. It's like a little dive group. And my dad and I dropped in, and there were a bunch of guys on the boat. So they were kind of dropping us in, and you take this ball. It's called a dive ball. It's a big orange ball that floats on top of the water, and the rope connects. It's a big, long rope that you kind of carry with you as you're diving way down like 80 feet below the top of the water. And you're down there and you're doing your thing and you're looking and getting fish and whatever you want to do. And meanwhile, up on the surface, the boat is watching that ball. And wherever you go, that ball goes. And that boat follows you. You know why? Because the ocean's real big. And so if you get lost, so that boat has to use that ball to follow you. Well, all of a sudden, like when we were down under the water, this crazy like storm pops up, the waves get real big, the wind starts blowing. We don't know it because we're 80 feet down. Water's totally chill down there. That's beautiful. Like, we're having a great time. The boat's up, like this up top. People are throwing up off the side of the boat. It's like this crazy, like, thing happening. And that ball was getting so much pressure from these waves on this, on this rope, it just snaps. Okay, so we're going this way. Still a rope kind of floating up there, you know, as we're going, not really paying enough attention to this dive ball. The ball is going this way. (laughs) Guess where the boat's going? Yeah, and this crazy current in the storm is just taking this ball way away from where my dad and I are headed. So when we finally surface and realize, where's the ball? We're also saying, hey, where's the boat? It's like, and the waves were ridiculous, we fill up our BCs. It's this vest that you wear. It fills up with air, like a life vest, kind of. And you just kind of like float, and the waves are just throwing us back and forth on top of the water. And we're, we're like, man, we're going further and further offshore, and there's still no boat. We blow up these big orange flag things and start waving them that you bring, and all these safety gear, these lights that shine real bright, and do all this stuff trying to get attention. And luckily... These guys were smart in the boat, and they kept circling, and they eventually saw our flags, and they found us. They realized, hey, they're moving real fast. They must be like Olympic like swimmers, or this ball is not connected to anything. So they realized it and found us. But, man, the helpless feeling I felt. And looking at my dad, like the two of us were just kind of like holding each other's vests so we didn't get separated, and these waves are tossing us all over the place, and land is getting smaller, and we're like, 
dude, it was this crazy moment. I was thinking, like, is this it? Like, are we going to drown out here? I'm, like, looking at my dad. Like, he, he had no answers for me. His dude is supposed to fix everything, right? He's my dad. It was a helpless feeling. And that is exactly where we are. When we're not trusting in Jesus, we're trusting in all these other things that toss us helplessly because they can't fix the problems that you have. The world wants you to trust all these things that just basically are waves, throwing you around from one direction to another, never finding a solution that will actually fix the heart of your problem. Can't give you wisdom. And so God says, when you come to me asking for wisdom, don't come as a doubtful person because you're just like that, that dude riding the waves. You're not looking at me. You're going to take your eyes off me. The next second, you're going to walk out of firehouse after saying, I want wisdom. And then you leave firehouse, but you didn't believe in your heart. So when you leave immediately, you're like, you're off. You're already off. You already forgot about the decision you made. You forgot, forgot about the Lord. You're looking for something else to fill that gap in your heart. And you're already bouncing around in the waves. This friend said this. And this wise person, I think, in my life said this. I read this on social media. And the news said this. And this celebrity, they know everything, right? They told me this. And God's like, don't be that way. <laughs> you're not going to get wisdom that way. And I don't want you to come to me with that type of heart. I want you to come and say, God, no more piles. This isn't mine. Everything is yours. Because then I'm not going to get tossed around like waves trying to hold on to my stuff. I'm going to say, Lord, it's all yours. And I don't get tossed around because there's only one place I'm looking. And it's at Jesus. And my heart believes that he knows best. And my heart believes that he loves me. And that he's going to give me the wisdom that I'm looking for. And that's how you don't get blown around by the waves and the wind. It says he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, right? You're double-minded because you're like, yes, Lord, I trust you. And then immediately you turn your eyes off and start chasing the world. Immediately. I think of Peter as he was standing on the water with Jesus. She's like, get out of the boat. And he's like, all right, dude, I'm a dude. Yeah, I'll do it. He gets out of the boat. And he starts walking in the water. And this wave, he sees this wave. And he's like, ah. And then, boom, the dude starts to sink, right? And Jesus grabs him. Double-minded. Looking at Jesus and then immediately looks to the waves. God's like, don't come to me like that. Come to me with your whole life in your hands and be ready to say, take it all. Now, I know that's a lot. But are you willing to do that tonight? Are you willing to give it all to Jesus? To trust him with all of it? Maybe you came and you were like, I'm, I need wisdom tonight. Are you willing to take it all and say, Jesus, I need wisdom in every part of my life? I'm not going to try to hold it back. I'm not going to be looking around to other things. I'm just keeping my eyes on you. He says, for that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. God's like, I'm not giving it to a person like that because they won't have the humility to receive it. They're going to think they can figure it out themselves. That's the type of person that goes to God. He's like, yeah, I think I could use some wisdom, Lord. And then you're looking, you're like, well, maybe I can figure it out this way. 
And so when God's like, hey, this is actually what you need, you're too busy trying to figure it out yourself like you could actually do it. And you get a little bit of self-confidence and you're like, yeah, I can handle this. And God's like, no, you can't. I just told you you couldn't. What are you thinking? And it's just this battle back and forth. God's like, I can't give it to you because you won't listen when I talk to you. You haven't had the humility settle in your heart where you're like, God, I can't do this. I need you. He wants you to admit you need him. Because at that moment where you're like, God, I can't do this alone, that's when you'll start to listen to him. You'll start to give up being in like control of your own life. And you'll start saying, God, I need you to be in control. And so when he finally says, this is what you need to do, and the Holy Spirit talks to your heart, you hear him, and you say yes. You stop looking places and you go, God, whatever you want to change, it's scary, but change my life. It's okay. Shake my life up. I'll follow you. It says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. So what he's doing here is he's just using rich and poor people as an example in this. You know, when you're rich, you kind of have the money to take care of your own needs. A lot of rich people don't understand what it means to need God, because they're like, man, I could just pay for whatever problems I have. I fix them myself. But a poor man, man, a poor man is like, oh, well, how in the world am I going to fix these problems? Like, I don't have the money to handle this. I don't know. And so they're more easily, more readily before God going, God, I can't do this, you know? And so he's using them as a picture, and he's saying, be like the poor man. Make yourself poor before the Lord. Make yourself humble before the Lord if you want wisdom. You go to him and you admit you can't do it on your own. You can't fix your own problems. And say, God, will you give this to me? He promises he will generously pour wisdom over your life. As you face seventh and eighth grade or high school, some of you guys are in your last year. You're going to be going to college next year and you're already starting to look for schools as you guys are facing these big moves in life. Who's going to help you? Where are you going to find the wisdom to navigate that? Make yourself humble before the Lord, like a poor man. And you get at his feet and you say, I can't do this, I can't figure this out, but God, I know I need you. I know I need your wisdom. Will you please give it to me? Listen, y'all, you are desperately and totally dependent on Jesus. That's just how it is. That is the truth, whether you want to admit it or not. So in all things and everything, hand that control over to Jesus and trust him with your life. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Some of y'all, like, it didn't take long tonight to immediately recognize that you need some wisdom. <laughs> and others, you're still struggling with whether or not this is something you actually care about or want. And so I'm praying tonight and have been praying that God would make that clear to you, would help you see how desperately you need Jesus. Well, I'm saved, Rob, like I already know Jesus. Yeah, and every single day you need his wisdom. 
every single day knowing Jesus, part of your journey is being willing to sit down at his feet and say, God, I'm yours. Tonight, will you admit that? Will you humble yourself before Jesus right now as we're sitting here together? Say, God, the plan of my life now, tonight I declare it's yours. I'm not looking to the left or right. I'm not doubting. You know best. Please, Jesus, tonight will you give us wisdom? If you'd be willing to say that tonight, if God's doing that work in your heart, will you slip your hand up and say, that's me. That's exactly what God is doing in me tonight. I want wisdom, and I want to be humble before Jesus. Just raise your hand up and say, that's me. I, I, I see that happening in my heart tonight. I want that. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Don't be double-minded. If your hand's up, don't be double-minded. Go to Jesus and trust him, knowing God wants the best for your life, and he can be trusted, all right? You guys put your hands down for a second. Maybe there's somebody here tonight, and you've never met Jesus. You don't know how good he is. You've never met him to experience that, but you're curious, and you want to know more about Jesus. We would love to tell you about Jesus Christ, why we can trust him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up and say, like, I'd like to know more about Jesus. Could I talk to you after the service and just find out more about who he is and how, how I can know him? Would you just slip your hand up in the air so I could pray for you as well? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I see you back there. I see you up here. Yeah. All right, will you guys pray with me? Let's ask God to do this in us. Lord, we need you to do it. We admit we're fools. We're a group of fools who have gathered together without you, Jesus. We, we don't know to go left or right. And so we're asking you right now, God, will you give it to us? There were so many hands that went up. You saw those hands, you know, people who want it tonight and who are trusting. They're not double-minded, God. They're saying we trust you. So pour it out. Will you pour it out generously over us? Those who are struggling with some pain or some situations and they don't know what to do about it, will you start to pour wisdom on them tonight? Will you cause us to be humble and know that we need you? God, show us your wisdom. Father, for those who raise their hand tonight to say they want to know more about who, you, who your son is, Jesus Christ, I pray that before they leave this place, they would stop and talk to me or one of their life group leaders, that they can know you as their savior and their friend. We love you. Be blessed as we worship you right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.